Hi, my name is Ali Vigneault, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hi, I'm Matt Niskanen. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, it's Derek Graham. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're, you're listening, listening to, to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to Snow the Goalie. And usually I greet you with the 15 Ps of the Snow the Goalie podcast. But let's just keep it simple. The Only Flyers podcast. I'm Russ Joy, at Joy on Broad on Twitter and Instagram. Find Anthony Sanfilippo on Twitter and Instagram, at Ant Sanfilly. Of course, you can find our show on Twitter and Instagram, at Snow the Goalie, and over on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. In this very polarizing time as we approach an election, why not fill up your feed with a little bit of positivity and some hockey talk instead of the incessant nonsense that you get from both sides? We are, we are here we are the middle. We are the moderate. We are Snow the Goalie. Anthony, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Russ. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the uh, uneventful lead-in for once. Yeah. You kind of, kind of throw everybody off a little bit sometimes. Well, you know... Keep them, I, keep them on their balls of their feet, huh? Well, you know, there are, there are, there's a reason for it. One of, our, uh, one of our guests on the Snow the Goalie podcast this past season, Matt Niskanen, Uh, has retired, and we couldn't bring ourselves to record an episode about it last week. We were too devastated, (laughs) you and I. And uh, no, in all seriousness, no, uh, we've had a hard time syncing up our schedules, but we're going to be You were sick last week. I didn't feel well. Yeah, Yeah. I I was- Not COVID, but you were sick. I just, my stuff, I I think it's just the lack of overall uh, physical activity for the most Mm -hmm. part. It's just like kind of, it's finally, I think, getting to me seven months into this whole thing. So um, Matt Niskanen retiring, I think that you've probably read enough things. You, the listener, have read enough things at this point to come up to a, a solid enough understanding of how much this could theoretically affect the team. And then free agency opened up. Chuck Fletcher made one move of note for the roster. And... Uh, signing the other Eric Gustafson. And so I want to get into a couple of things with that. But before we, you know, really dive into Gustafson and what he can bring to the table, give people an idea from your perspective how big of a loss Matt Niskanen is for the team. And I would even go further and say specifically for Ivan Provorov. Yeah, I mean, it's a big loss um, in the sense that, that well, we didn't see it coming. I think that the team was aware that it was um, – that it was a possibility. I, I think that though the Flyers were still a little surprised, um, I think that they kind of felt like, you know, Niskanen was just, you know, saying it at the end of the season. Uh, a lot of times veteran players who are in their 30s with, you know, a year left on their contract or something like that, you know, after the end of a season, you know, they say, oh, do I want to do this again? Do I want to go through the rigors of an off-season workout and training camp and all that? You know, do I really want to do that? Do I need to do that? And so I think that they kind of felt like Niskanen was just kind of, you know, emotionally drained. Uh, it was a very long season, as we all know, um, because of COVID. I mean, it, it dragged on for f- five extra months than it normally does, right, for, for 24 teams. So um, I think that the Flyers thought, hey, you know what, take some time, take a month off, relax. And then we'll check back with you. And I think that they thought that he was going to say, yeah, I'll be all right. I'll come back for one more year. And then he didn't. 
um, and, and, it, and it kind of altered their, their entire offseason game plan, in all honesty. Um, the Flyers were not going into free agency expecting to do anything. They were not going into the offseason expecting to really add – another defenseman I mean maybe I mean so here's the thing like I I think there was a trickle down because I'm not certain that they were going that they were going to re-up Justin Braun not because they didn't like Justin Braun but because they felt like there was a little bit of money savings that they could use there um, and, and use it for depth up front they could they have young defensemen coming um, you know, we, we anticipate Mark Friedman will probably be the number seven defenseman this year. Um, they, they, you know, already indicated that, uh, Yegor Zamula will, um, likely get some time in the NHL this year, uh, whether he's eight on his way up to seven and six, uh, we'll, we'll see. But I mean, that, so there was a lot of things there where you thought, well, Justin Braun probably will be the odd guy out, um, outside of Gossip Bear that, that won't come back. And so as soon as Niskanen tells them, I'm definitely retiring, they re-upped Braun because they couldn't afford to lose two veteran defensemen, right? So, um, so that now they have to go out and get another veteran defenseman because you, they're bereft of, of experience back there. I mean, yeah, okay, Sandheim and Myers will have another year under their belt and Hague will have another year under his belt. I get all that, but they really want – if they're going to be a contender, they need somebody with – multiple years experience, especially, you know, deep into the playoffs and the like. Um, and they went, you know, they wanted to find someone who not necessarily to pair with Provorov, because I don't think Eric Gustafson is going to pair with Provorov. Um, but they definitely wanted to find, uh, you know, someone who they, they could bring in and maybe ease a little bit of the pressure on Provorov. And what I mean by that and why Gustafson fits that role is because I – I believe Eric Gustafson is going to be your quarterback on the power play on the top unit. And I think Provorov will drop to the second power play unit. Um, well, that in, in fairness, that was a question that I asked him when he was made available to the media was, yeah, you know, considering where it was in free agency and knowing that there were a number of defensemen on this team who kind of had solidified roles, how big of a role or was it an impact at all uh, getting power play time? And he said it, it definitely was a, a big factor in him signing with Philadelphia. And he did mention that like when he is performing on the power play, when he's able to contribute points there, that kind of dictates the rest of his play. And that's how he feels like he's going to be able to help this team win. So, you know, I, I had seen people who had, I think it, it comes back once again to the, the group of people who I think are still hanging on to hope for Shane Gostisbehere and they think that, okay, well, Niskanen's gone, so the Flyers are definitely then going to take Shane Gostisbehere, try to rekindle magic that they, they had a couple of years ago, uh, he and Provorov, and that maybe they'll roll that out as, as the top pair, and then that'll mean that Gostisbehere is going to be the, the quarterback of, of the top power play unit and all is going to be hunky-dory, and you're going to get 63-point uh, ghost back but I don't see it. Now, Gustafson's interesting in that he is two seasons removed from a 60-point season. And the funny thing is, like, if you line up, in theory, uh, the best descriptors of Shane Gostisbehere and Eric Gustafson... They're exactly the same. They're the same, Yeah. right? <laughs> Contributors on power play, 
are two or three seasons removed from a 60-point season, saw a downtick in production a season ago, are at their best when they are contributing on the power play, are not the most sound defensive defensemen, and have a high upside on the offensive side, assuming confidence is there and production has been there. They're the same guy. The difference, of course, is about $1.5 million against your cap. And I know that when Gustafson first signed, I said to you, well, you know, maybe this, I don't think he's the kind of guy that they want to have paired with Provorov. But I, I kind of wonder, and this is, this is maybe where things get interesting. I can see a couple of scenarios playing out. I want to see what you think. Uh, no, I don't think the Flyers are going to go after Zidane Chara, as Eklund was uh, pretty clearly trying to make reference to on Twitter, if, what was it, three, four days ago? that the Flyers' UFA interest was big or was tall or something like that. That was insane. Um, is there a scenario here where the Flyers don't get what they consider to be solid enough trade value for Shane Gossespierre? They hang on to him. They figure out a way to have Gustafson and Gossespierre in the lineup. And that theoretically, trade deadline pops up. Justin Braun, who's signed to a reasonable cap hit of $1.8 million per season for the next two, as a right-handed defenseman, and we know how the league values right-handed defensemen, is it possible that this team tries to get by their effectively rolling seven defensemen throughout the season and that Braun becomes a trade deadline target, that maybe the Gustafson signing is not indicative of a need or a desire to trade Shane Gossespierre for pennies on the dollar, but rather maybe if you're able to rekindle some kind of magic with one or both of Gustafson and Ghost that Justin Braun's not a bad trade target for another team at the deadline. No, I don't think so. I, okay. I, I can't see keeping two defensive liability defensemen in the lineup playing 20 minutes a night. I just can't. I, it just, it, it, you know, it, well, that's what I'm saying. Rotating in. So that's what, you well, know, no, but I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think you went out and signed Gustafson for the contract. You signed him to not be a regular, like yeah. you're, you're not rotating him out of the lineup. Like that. No, I'm thinking more of like ghost and Hague. I think it's going to be like the Ghost and Hague six and seven show again. Yeah, I mean you can, but I mean I don't I don't know what's what's the point. Like I don't know what the point is there. Like I, I, there are that in that sense you're still got two guys in the lineup that are not great defensively. Sure. I, I think what you're looking at. I, I think I I think what they're going to tr- ultimately do, and, and I think that Braun's contract is is indicative of this. I think Phil Myers is going to move up to play with Provorov. Um, I think that Provorov will cover his mistakes a little bit better than Sanheim does. Um, and, uh, and I think Myers adds, uh, a, a real, um, dangerous shot. Um, his willingness to get the puck on net. We know like the, all the positives about Myers. He can skate like the wind. He can get back. Um, he's, he's a guy that can play, you know, 20 minutes a night without an issue. So I, I think you're going to see Myers actually looked at first in that role. I think Braun then goes, it, it, then it gets to me is I think where Gustafson and Braun fit. They might want to play Gustafson with Haig. They've been training together in Sweden, right? They're over there together playing and practicing together. Maybe that's something they want to see them as that pairing and put Braun with Sanheim, which, which they did for a little bit uh, previously last year, uh, or 
you keep Braun and Hague together and play Gustafson with Sanheim on the right side on that second pair. So, I, but I think that I think that's ultimately because you don't have a a first pair defenseman to play with Provorov. So I think that what you got to do is you got to hope that Phil Myers is that guy. I mean, you look at him as eventually going to be that guy on your top pair, right D, right hand D. Mm-hmm. So I think ult- I think that they're going to sit there and say, well, let's give it a shot now. Let's see how it looks. You know, you're going to have a season to figure it out. And then if by the trade deadline it's not working or you need to address defense again, maybe you do it at the trade deadline. But I think that that's probably your starting six with guys, like I said, Friedman and Zamora there. Look, if they don't trade Gosses Bear, I don't know how that works. I, I really don't. I don't know how you f- – He's a guy that needs a fresh start. He's a guy that needs another another location. It's just not going to work for him here. Um, I don't I don't I don't know how it, it it how he fits into the into the picture there. So, um, yeah, I mean that's how I, that's what I think it's going to be. Some might argue that that's not good enough that they didn't that they didn't upgrade their defense enough. As a matter of fact, it probably took a slight step backwards going from Niskanen to Gustafson. I mean, Gustafson can add some offense. That's fine. He's more offensive player than Niskanen, but Niskanen's a more reliable defensive player. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I you know, it's not the wor- it wasn't the worst part of their game last year. So it's not like you know, treading water on defense is is a thing is, is a bad thing. Um, but it's certainly, it's certainly a gamble. If when you're sitting there trying to figure out your cap and say, where can we make this work best? Where can we hide our deficiencies? Having a bunch of mid range kind of defensemen, as opposed to a couple top end and then guys on the back end who you kind of cringe at saying, well, we're not going to be the greatest group, but we're going to be an okay group. I think that they're, they're okay with that at least up until the deadline. See, I, I would go as far as to say I think this is beyond a slight step back. I think if this team doesn't figure out a way to replace a steady veteran next to Ivan Provorov, you are opening yourself up for calamity. Because, so I, I want to go two different places here. Because I think it's more of a, tr- I think it's more of a trickle down and potential watershed, waterfall of insanity if they can't get somebody steady next to Provorov for a year. I don't see Justin Braun being that guy. He's not a top pair defenseman. No. But he's, he's the only steady-ish veteran you have right now in that defensive grouping. I am worried about the potential. Now, Ivan Provorov has an incomparable work ethic. He's a guy that I think worked probably harder than anybody else to stay in shape throughout the quarantine, who came into camp ready to go, and honestly could have probably played for the insane amount of minutes he was relied upon by this coaching staff throughout the regular season and, and into the postseason as well. I think he's a guy who theoretically, like conditioning-wise, probably could have even taken on a, a bigger role. I worry about 2018-19, and I get that it's two years ago, but really he had a – I would say a pretty solid season as a number one defenseman in 1920. But how many times did we talk to him that he talked about the calming influence of Matt Niskanen on the ice? How often did somebody within the organization talk about Niskanen at practice as being a guy who was the perfect model in a sense? 
going through drills, going over things with some of the younger defensemen about how to approach situations on and off the ice and in preparation. I worry that 18-19 Provorov is a real possibility for one major reason, and it's Matt Niskanen, because where we've talked about Robert Haig playing with Justin Braun versus Shane Gossespierre, you talk about knowing and being able to rely on your partner as a defensive pairing, knowing where he's going to be and what he's going to do. And Justin Braun is a little bit more predictable. Let's say Phil Myers goes up to the top pair. Ivan Provorov no longer has that defensive stalwart, that all-around defenseman, that calming presence. Now, Ivan Provorov isn't only having to overcome that. He's now going to be expected to effectively carry, nurture, groom Phil Myers for those minutes. It doesn't mean that he can't do it. He very likely can. But when you go from something that is a given, that is a solid, that is a constant, and now you are asking a – Provorov's not a super young defenseman, but he's still youngish, and he's being expected to be Zidane Chara on this team. I, I worry a little bit that he's going to put too much pressure on himself and that expecting him to bring along a young defenseman – onto the top pair is maybe a little bit more than this team should be relying on this year. I think like a one-year stopgap as a vet, as somebody who could play interchangeably somewhere in the top four would have been a better way to go. And it doesn't mean that it won't happen. It doesn't mean that, that there's no time left. But I don't think this is setting up this defensive core to be in the most advantageous position. Well, I, I tend to disagree with you. Um... And I disagree because I think 2018-19 was a different world for Ivan Provorov. It was a different coach. There was a lot of turmoil uh, within the organization as far as who was running it. Um, he was, you know, had the weight of a contract on his on his mind. Um, he was playing with a variety of different partners, none of which were working out for him. Um, I think that there, and so I think he put a lot of pressure on himself to try and be the guy to do too, and ended up trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that was what cost him that 2018-19 season. Um, and he did have stretches where he was okay, uh, but it was definitely, there was no doubt it was a down season. Um, I think that it, there's a lot more, there's a lot more continuity around the organization now. There's a, there's a uh, respected coach in place. There is a, uh, a solid plan in place with the, with management. Um, and you know, you got the same group of a lot of those same defensemen that were there in 18, 19 are still there. Um, but they're a little bit older now. Travis Sanheim isn't the, you know, isn't an enigma anymore. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, Sanheim's got his, his faults, but he's, He's pretty consistent. I mean, it, the one thing I could say is if you look at the difference between, and yes, Niskanen was, was a big part of this, but the difference between the defensive core in 1819 and defensive core in 1920 was more consistency, right? They were, they were consistently better. They weren't constantly turning the puck over until the Islanders series in the playoffs, constantly turning the puck over in their own end. They weren't, you know, struggling constantly to get the puck out of their zone. I mean, the, the one thing about the Flyers all year long is that they were able to do the breakouts and they were able to, you know, make clean passes. And I think that that's what allowed Provorov to have his resurgence. Yes, I'm not taking anything away from Niskin in there. That was part of it. But at the same time, 
Provorov got better, and so did everyone else around him get better. So now we're two seasons later. You have to assume, and he's being paid as a number one defenseman. He's getting that money. That's, that's a legit salary that he's being paid. It's his time to take that role and run with it. And if he can't, well, that's an, that's an indictment on Ivan Provorov, not necessarily on, on the Flyers for not providing him with a veteran presence next to him. Uh, you know, at this point in his career, he's going into, what, his, his fifth season? In the NHL, am I correct on that? It's either five or six, but he's going into his fifth season. At this point, he should be ready. At this point, you know, we, we argue all the time, you know, we, you and I and, and some of the other people at Crossing Broad in football about the quarterback, right? We always yell about the quarterback of where he's at in his career. By this point, he should be better than he is. Well, it's the same concept here in, in a lot of ways. It's, it's that – Okay, you took the time to get your feet wet. You played as a, as a young kid, 19 years old in the league. You have to figure it out. You have to learn it. It takes some time. Um, you know, we, we've heard so many times that it takes defensemen uh, 200 games uh, in the NHL to really kind of understand what their role is going to be. He's well past that now, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's into his, going into his fifth season now. Never missed a game. He's the guy that – he's the guy. I mean, that's it. I mean, he's being paid as a number one defenseman. He's got to be that guy now. He had his season with Matt Niskin, and that's great. He could take what he learned from him and then impart that on, an, on the next defenseman. That's, that's on Provorov at this point. Now, do I think that it's a, it's, there's a chance for calamity, as you said? Look, if injuries happen, of course, there's a chance for calamity. But I, I don't know. I think that the group as a whole – I mean, I'm not sitting here telling you it's the best – group of six defensemen that the Flyers have ever had but I'm also not going to tell you that it's going to be as bad as it was under Dave Haxtall either like I I think it's probably you know middle of the road and, and that's it. but when you're when you're looking at the cap and you're trying to figure out the numbers and how who you have to pay and when you have to pay them you might have to sit there and say we might have to settle for middle of the pack and every team's going to have this right every team's going to have a, something that they have to settle for being in the middle of the pack where I'm concerned with the flyers at this point is that they really haven't addressed the weakness of the fact that they don't have scoring depth. They have depth in the way that they have forwards who can skate and forwards who can play and forwards who are responsible, decent two-way players. They don't have scoring depth down the, down the roster. And that, that has not been addressed. And of course there's still time. Um, but that, to me, is of greater concern than swapping Matt Niskanen for Eric Gustafson. I think that's a small step back. I don't think Matt Niskanen was a, you know, we're not talking about a guy who was a, a Norris Trophy candidate, right? And so yeah. to, go from, to go from Niskanen to Gustafson, Niskanen was more defensively responsible. Gustafson's, Gustafson's a more offensive defenseman. That's where the trade-off is. I'd still rather have Niskanen, but it's not that big of a drop-off. So to me, I think that there's a slight downtick on defense, I need to see what's going to happen up front before I really make a determination as to if this is a better or worse team going into the 2021 season. Well, it's it's worth noting, I guess. I want to put a bow on this one. Um, at five five on five last year, Ivan Provorov spent 929 minutes on ice with Matt Niskanen. The next highest total he had was 104 minutes with Justin Braun. And then after that, it, it really falls off into the 60s or so with Sanheim, with Myers, um, with Ghost, with Haig, with Mark Friedman. I'm not much of an underlying numbers guy. But if the idea here is that Phil Myers is going to be the guy, 
if that's what the team ends up deciding. Well, I think that, I think that, that they have to pick somebody to start the season. Yeah. Whether it if, lasts or not, I don't know. But I think that that's what they're going to try and look at first. If that's the case, Ivan Provorov's worst underlying numbers in terms of like, let's go with Corsi. Let's go with Corsi 4. Let's go with high danger chances. The second least efficient partner he had was Phil Myers. Now, granted, they played parts of 50 games together at even strength. It was a total of 54 minutes. So it's not a big sample size. It doesn't mean that after an offseason of further improvement that it can't work. And truth be told, I don't think they did a whole lot of practicing together as, as a pair. But if we look at that small sample size, the only player that I believe he had worse numbers with overall was Travis Sanheim. And that was it. So again, could that be youth? Could that just be that part of it? Could it be that, you know, Myers and Sanheim had both been kind of thrust into larger roles this season? I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's part of it. And in, in fairness as well, if you kind of restack this as playoff numbers, I believe that it did get better with Myers, but in terms of like overall efficiency, I think it's, it's going to take a, a pretty decent step forward needed uh, out, of, out of Phil Myers to fill that role, if, if that's the way the team goes. Again, I don't think that Chuck Fletcher's done. He's talked about hockey trades how many times. It's not inconceivable that they could still make a deal for another veteran defenseman that, that they plan on, you know, on a short-term deal pairing with Ivan Provorov. It's, it's far from a, from a finished product. I well, just, let's, let's, let's address that just for a second sure. because I, I do know that the Flyers were in on a couple other defensemen. One of them is no longer available. One of them still is. So that's why it's interesting to me. Um, they really, their first target was Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, that's that's wh- who they looked at, and it would make sense. Shattenkirk is a veteran guy who had who was a lot like Niskanen, had come off of a bad year the year before, the year prior, had a really nice season, nice bounce-back season with the Lightning. Of course, he won a Stanley Cup, but was, was a, a key contributor for the Lightning coming off of a bad year the year before. And he earned himself a new deal, and he earned himself a good deal, um, one that the Flyers didn't want, to, didn't want to make. And he signed for bigger money out with Anaheim. Um, and... So that was their number one target. That's who they were really kind of focused on. Prior, also prior to signing Gustafson, they kind of kicked the tires a little bit on Travis Hamanick. Um, it was with Calgary. And I think that what ended up happening there, from what I've been able to glean, is that there is still remains interest, but that Hamanick and his agent kind of felt like that he was worth more as far as money and maybe even a little bit on term. Um, and then the Flyers kind of backed out of that. Uh, Hamannick has still not signed. So there might be a point as this progresses, maybe what Chuck is doing is playing the long game here and say, let's, let's wait and see how long Hamannick goes unsigned and then go back to him and say, are you ready to take our one-year deal? Are you ready? To, you know what I'm saying? Are you ready to take the short-term lower money deal you know, come in, play a season with us, prove it, and then maybe next year, if we get fans back in, we'll see what the situation is. There might be a situ- an opportunity for you to make a little bit more money down the road. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. 
But they did reach out to him. I, I don't want to say reach that that he was their number two and Gustafson was their number three, but they were certainly kicking tires on Hamannick before Gustafson. Um, so that make that makes it inter- an interesting thing to me. You could be right. Like it could be a situation where they do bring in another defenseman, um, and maybe somebody one of the defense. If you're making a trade to help up front and you have to trade one of the defensemen you have on your roster, maybe that's the, the piece. Maybe that's what happens. Like, you have to move somebody, and Hamannick comes in as well. Now you have another defenseman, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hamannick's a left shot, left side um, guy, which was another interesting thing, although I think he has played a little bit on the right. Um, so that's a, that, that, to me, is, is an interesting dynamic uh, to see what could possibly end up happening um, hap- happening there. So, well, well, you know, we'll see what goes on. The interesting thing, and I know we kind of talked around this, um, the last episode we recorded, and and also talked around it on Twitter. And I'm going to continue to talk around it, but maybe kind of give a little bit more information here. So, I, I think that um, the and it all relates because I think that the Niskanen retirement impacted the potential direction that the Flyers were going. The Flyers were the number one team with Winnipeg as far as trading for Patrick Liney. Um, I think that the discussions between uh, Chuck and Chevy, uh, Kevin Sheveldayoff, the GM of the, of the Winnipeg Jets, um, really had the Flyers at, as the team that could offer the most for line A that would fill both Winnipeg's needs and well desires and needs um, and also have it work for the Flyers you know to trade away some salary so that they didn't have to you know then find somebody else to trade away to, to bring in line A in his contract and the thing of it is is that line A is going to get a big raise he's only got a year left then he's an RFA and then you got to sign him you're probably looking at something close to like nine million, I would think. Once you have to sign him, eight nine million, somewhere in that range. Maybe um, higher. higher if if he has a really if he has a big year. Season, if he bounces back forty plus yeah. goals. Then yeah, if he has a huge year, then maybe it's even more. He's only twenty three years old, right? Yeah. So, um, but Winnipeg's initial ask was a lot, and when I say a lot. Um, without saying who, I'm going to say this. We put a question out on Twitter. I think it was you who put it out, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was you or Snow was, the Goalie it was, account. It was me. Uh, it was you. Okay. I wasn't sure if you put it out yourself or through I Snow think I put it on mine. Yeah. Okay. I think it was yours. Um, asking who your untouchables would be, right? Who are the yep. three guys you would not trade for Patrick Line? And I will tell you that the, the, ple- the pieces that Winnipeg asked for were amongst the most res- the responses that you got were amongst the, the players that were people were saying we wouldn't trade for for line a. Mm-hmm. so that was winnipeg's initial ask okay they which asked- in fairness like that's a negotiation right you ask for the moon and then maybe you work your way back down but y- yes but i mean that what I'll, I'll tell you i mean there was more to the deal there was other players involved i don't want to really get into too much because then it will it might it might tell 
people who know that where I got this information. Um, but there were other people involved on both sides, both teams. Um, wasn't just line A for X. It was line A and for X and X. Okay. So there was mm-hmm. multiple players involved here. Um, and uh, I'll tell you that Chuck thought about it. Chuck thought about it and decided not to do it. And I'll tell you, knowing who the players are, I think Chuck made the right call to not do it. Um, and you know who the players are, and I think that you, you agree with me that it was probably the right thing to not do it. Um, uh, especially considering the situation on defense right now, right? Well, there, there I, you go. <laughs> Well, okay. It involved a defenseman. It involved a defenseman. If we must, if we must get into this. Um, well, I mean, you kind of gave away. No, the, no, you did. Yeah, you did. No, no, because let's put it this way: the one of the top guys who responded uh, that people did not want to move was a forward okay. who was also involved okay. in this conversation okay right so sure so let's all right so we're not giving we're not really giving anything away specifically okay. people okay? can fill it okay god uh, they could try and fill in the blanks i mean yeah. we saw a number there were a number of names that came up in there That's okay true. so they can try and fill it in however they want but you agree with me that that it, chuck did the right thing by not doing I, it. but go i ahead. could well yeah. without giving too much away i could have been talked in i i i could have been talked into it okay i could have Okay. Depending on a couple of other things, I, I theoretically could have said that would hurt a lot. It would make people very unhappy. But if Line A had performed, if Line A had been that 40-plus goal scorer that people have been clamoring for, the sniper that people have clamored for since Jeff Carter was shipped out, I think that there, there might have been ways to make it work, but it would have really hurt and it would have pissed off a lot of people. I, I think it would have required a complete overhaul of the top-end talent of this team. I agree. And, and as, if that's the case, this is not the off-season to do that no. because of the cap, right? So, I mean, so that was, that was the thing. That said, I was also told that Winnipeg was not enamored at all with names from other teams. And that if Winnipeg decided to go forward with this trade, um, that the Flyers were still, even though Chuck said no, were still the team that they would engage with first and foremost. And that came from outside the Flyers organization, okay? That did not come from someone I spoke to within the organization. It came from outside the organization. That the Flyers would still be the team that they would want to engage with for a line A trade, which tells you that whatever names Chuck offered initially, and then I don't know what Chuck's initial – offer was uh, i have some ideas but i don't know um that that offer had to at least intrigue chevy enough to say that okay if we do come back to this conversation that we could at least start from somewhere that makes sense so i, I wouldn't call this this potential trade dead i, I don't think it's it's very you know, I think it's kind of you know with with Winnipeg going out and 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 bringing back Stasny, I think that they you know they might want to think about it a little bit now. Do you think maybe you put a center on that line now that you know that would work with Line A and maybe he finds it again? But they're going to really the, the Jets are in a cap situation next year and they don't want to be stuck in it. And I think that that's why that they feel that they can get the most for if they can get the most for him prior to next offseason that they would move him 
So is it something that they'll do before the season? Maybe. Is it something that they wait to do and see how they start the year? And if they, if they find that it's not a, not a good mix and then they try and make a deal in season, that's possible too. Um, you know, we've talked about this many times in the past on this show, Russ, that sometimes trades, a discussion starts and it doesn't finish for eight, nine months, a year later. Um, this could be one of those deals. I mean, yes, sometimes deals come together in five hours. Sometimes they take months. And this could, ta- could be one of them. Um, if, if in fact it does happen. So um, th- that's why this whole thing is really, the, the Matt Niskanen thing, and that's why we've spent so much time on it here on the show, it, it really impacted the Flyers in a lot of ways with a lot of different things. And people probably aren't putting those pieces together and, and figuring out, oh, well, this is why this, this didn't happen. This is why this didn't happen. But really, I, I think it kind of threw them a little bit. Um, and I appreciate the way that Chuck handles things. Like, I think that he's really thoughtful. He's really, you know, he will, he includes everybody. He talks to everyone and says, what do you think? What do you think? It's not like he's the lone guy making a decision here. Um, and I do appreciate that somewhat. I don't, I don't like the quick trigger people as much as I like someone who will put some thought into a, into a transaction. Um, but I, I will tell you that my concern right now is that, I, the, I, I just don't see how this bottom six comes together with what is currently in the system. And I know that they're excited about some of the young guys, and that's great. You know, they might turn out to be really good players in the long run. You know, your Morgan Frost, your Wade Allison's, your Tanner Lachinsky's, and these guys, you know, Linus Sundin, well, he's not a young kid. I mean, he's a little bit older, but um, that they're going to bring in, and maybe they come in and they fit, and it's, it's, they're nice players, and they're good players. But that's a lot of ifs. I wish I had something that was a little bit more tangible to start the year. I agree. I agree with you. Well, thanks. I, um, I think the only thing that is worth pointing out um, without giving too much away, I think that if the Flyers are going to try to get a, a top-end score from a distressed asset, potentially, or from a team like Winnipeg, the idea, and like I know that we had, we had said it slightly in jest, but the idea that you're going to be able to build a package around Shane Goss's bear for the money, one of Farabee or Frost, and the the hope and prayer that Nolan Patrick returns to top draft pick, top two draft pick status is a pipe dream. And I think that people need to kind of prepare themselves for if you want that score, you're, you're going to end up losing somebody that you like. You're going to end up having to give up a young forward that has shown an ability to, to score, at least in the regular season. Like I, I think the only way that you're able to go out and get a guy that is a sniper is, is going to be a Travis Konechny. Maybe if, if, you're a, if a team thinks that Oscar Lindblom is going to be a guy they can rely on that maybe Oscar is a guy who can get you some kind of value, but then you're, you're probably increasing whatever your defenseman that you might've otherwise sent along with, uh, with a forward, you know, as a, as a fan, are you in theory willing to part with say it's, it's Oscar or somebody to that level, but that means that you have to trade Travis Sandheimer, Phil Myers. If it's Travis Konechny, that's the forward that goes. Are you okay with 
Travis Sanheim being the guy. You know, I, I think that a lot of teams across the league, if they were if they were offered Sanheim or Myers, I think that there are a number of teams that might go the Phil Myers route. I think he might be a little bit more highly thought of among some teams than Sanheim is. And I think either way, you have to kind of do the calculus on this one. And do you think that you have somebody who's developing? Do you think that Igor Samula is a guy who in two years or so could be a top four defenseman for you? If the answer is no, then you're going to have to put some kind of legitimate capital behind a, a signing in the next two years. I don't, I don't know how this works, but what I, what I can tell people is that in order to get value, you're going to have to give up value, and it's going to be a value likely that a lot of people would be unhappy or, or uncomfortable with. Um, the, the draft itself... One more thing I wanted to throw out sure. related to this, um, and this is not my report, um, but Elliot Friedman put out his final 31 Thoughts article, and he mentioned that the Flyers also checked in uh, with Arizona about a potential trade for Jason Demers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demers is 32. Um, he is definitely not an offensive defenseman. Uh, he's like he's got 16 goals and 300 career NHL games. Uh, I'm sorry, and uh, that was with, that's only with San Jose. That was only with San Jose. I'm sorry, 45 goals and 658 career games. Um, so he's not not a goal scorer, not an offensive guy. Um, but he's been a 20 minute a night guy for most of his career. Uh, was with the Coyotes most recently, but he's played with the Sharks, with the Stars, with the one year with the Florida Panthers. Um, again, there's another possibility that ties into what we were talking about before. If you're going to move a young defenseman as part of a deal for a player like Patrick Line, um, then if you have a second deal in the works where you're going to bring in Jason Demers. It's not that, you know, it, it, it's not the, an exact replacement, but it's a, it's another veteran guy who's just kind of a reliable back end, you know, second, third pair defenseman who can, who can fill in while you wait for, you know, Zamula or wait for Cam York eventually to get to uh, NHL ready. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that that's another, just another name. I, I had not heard it, but Elliot put that one out in his 31 thoughts. And I thought, Oh, that's, that's an interesting, interesting name. And how does that puzzle piece fit in? And I see how that, that kind of ties into what we've been talking about here. So, you know, we talked about it. I mentioned it with Hamannick, but I, I, you know, I wanted to, I forgot to mention Elliot had mentioned Demers and I thought, well, that's probably another name, but when he's a right shot defenseman, um, so he would fit better on the right side. Um, but that, you know, whatever, I mean, it's, it all kind of, it all kind of, you know, it's a one big giant, you know, puzzle and we got to figure out how it all fits together. And I think that that's just another name that we now have a, a, a really solid report saying that the flyers were interested in the flyers were talking. That's a trade. That's not a free agent. Um, so I, I think that that's just something that something else to consider. What, what would go to Phoenix? What would go to Arizona? For demands, you know, yeah, would, know, would the Coyotes, would the Coyotes take a Gostas Bear contract? See what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. mean, is, is that is that something that makes sense? Like, I, you know, maybe that's where I'm trying to get to. Yeah. Um, let me throw a, a name out for you that I'm a little bit surprised is still on the market given the season that he's coming off of. If you wanted forward depth, does Anthony Duclair do anything for you? Yeah. 
I mean, he does. I, I, I get it. Um, is this a situation where the player is just asking for too much in a flat cap season? Because he's, he had a, a decent enough year. Yeah. I, I mean, Ottawa was garbage. I mean, obviously, in a, on a garbage team, somebody's got to put up the points. But 23 goals, 40 points, 66 games, like it's, it's not bad. Right. If you, uh, if you surround him with better overall talent, which the Flyers have, like, couldn't that, in theory, be a guy that could contribute to this team? That could work his way maybe into a, a middle, middle six? Yeah, I mean, he could. Um, and I, I have to make a correction in a second. I've just been told I said something wrong um, <laughs> by someone listening in. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he could. But I'll tell you that I, the name that's been most connected to the Flyers in that kind of middle six role is someone that's very familiar with, um, with Chuck, and that's Michael Gronlund. Okay. Coming off of the uh, a down year with Nashville, I mean, he was making you know, like five point seven. He's obviously not going to get that again. Um, so, I mean, a five, yeah, five point seven is what he was making. Mm-hmm. Um, he only had thirty points in sixty three games, which is not a lot. Um, but if you're looking for him to take on a role as a you know middle six forward, mostly third line, and he can play center or right wing. Um, it gives you a little flexibility and you say, okay, look, you didn't have that great a year, come in on a one year deal. You know, you, you might have to take it, a pay cut to do it. Like a lot of guys are. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that that's a more realistic possibility. He was um, a guy that we had talked about ahead of the season, but we thought that he was set up for maybe a, a bidding war of sorts that we didn't think the team would want to get involved in. You know, maybe if, if that's a guy who is willing to come in on a one year deal, then maybe that's where you do trade a, a guy like Shane Gosses bear just to try to clear the salary. Like if, if you think yeah. that it makes your team that much better that you have to do the immediate salary shedding and you don't worry about getting an asset back. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so the correction but, is, I guess, I guess I said that Hamannick was left-handed. He's a right-handed shot. Um, I think I, I, I should know that. But I mean, by, if I said left, I was wrong. Uh, he's a right-handed. Oh, I'm just he's totally going to clip up. I was wrong to use against you. <laughs> All right, so before we head out, because we're going to have another episode coming up probably early next week anyway. Yeah. Um, there are other things to, to touch on, but we didn't want to put out like an hour and a half episode. Well, we also have, we also have Chuck's availability coming yes, up tomorrow. on Friday. Yeah. yeah. So. Uh, all right, must-have po- hockey podcast, five stars. Five-star review from JMac369, who says, I'm a huge hockey fan and a diehard Flyers fan. Some of the other Flyers podcasts have really turned me off with their whining. I really enjoy good hockey talk, trade discussions, and player evaluations without all the nonsense. This is the one for knowledgeable hockey fans who know their team but need uh, more quality info and discussions. The interviews are tremendous also. Perfect hockey podcast. Oh, Thanks, Jay Mac. That's a nice one. I'm pretty sure it was a year ago where I whined on an episode and got uh, shredded on Reddit. So it's kind of nice to see that a year later, somebody's saying we don't whine on this show. That's kind of nice. A good feeling. No, all right? we do is yell at each other instead. Yeah. No, we yell at, well, you know, when you want to go full apologist. Anyway, um, I think this was fun. I think it was nice to, to get back in, the, back in the saddle and ride the, uh, the old hockey horse with you, pal. So, yeah. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll be back at it again next week. And I think we'll, we'll be back on a more regular schedule. I think we just, I think you and I, not only were we not able to, uh, to sync up all that much, I think we just kind of needed a little bit of a break. We had, a long, we had a long time where, you know, during the NHL pause, a lot of p- people took a break and instead we were cranking out the, uh, 
the high quality interviews with Flyers alum. And uh, I think we, we kind of got a little bit refreshed here and now it's uh, it's time to kind of get back into it. Free yeah. agency is not technically over trades. I think are still going to be going down and we're, we're going to be updating, you know, what the league's plan is the January 1st thing, you know, came out once again, we'll talk I, about that next week. And so I will say the one thing I will say on that is the league saying January 1st mm-hmm. tells me it's going to be January 1st. Before that, it was a lot of the people who were close to the league who were speculating December, sometime in December, Christmas, the you know, Christmas week between Christmas and New Year, all that stuff, which means it was probably being discussed and probably being talked about. But when you hear the commissioner come out and say January 1st, that's what they're going to do. How do you uh, – we'll talk about this more next week. Would you like the idea of the game in Alberta on the lake? Did you see this? Yeah, about? Sure. about- I, I, Sure. Lake, 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 is it Lake Louise? Lake, Lake Louise. Yeah. Um, sure. I think it'd be really cool. You want to talk about a spectacle? If you play out on a lake, imagine all the cameras. Imagine the drone cameras you could run. I mean, yeah. you could do some really, really unique stuff and catch the immediate attention of, of the sports world. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. That's uh, what? Um, I just want to throw one more name out. Okay. Just one more name that I think that might be interesting to the Flyers. A late incoming text. Yeah. Go ahead. Derek Broussard. Really? Yeah. Just something about – it makes me think that that might be something that the, the Flyers would want to do. Oh, really? We'll see. We'll talk about it next time. Okay. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode of Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast. Don't forget, follow us over on Twitter at – Snow the Goalie, Instagram at Snow the Goalie. Follow the page on Facebook, facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star rating. That's great, but leave a five-star review. We'll read it on the show. And of course, you know what? Again, break up all of the negativity on your timeline. Share the show. Get the hockey fans in your life to know the name, Snow the Goalie. Share the episode out. You're in some Facebook groups and there's people who like hockey, Drop the episode there. You're on Twitter. You're on Instagram. You listen to the show. Add it to your story. Let people know about the Only Flyers podcast. Snow the goalie. We will talk to you next week. Have a great day out there. Have a really nice weekend. And if you're at a hockey rink like some people were in Rochester last night and there's a flaming Zamboni going across the ice, run. Run. Talk to you next week.